Um, you guys doing good this morning? I was, just, I was looking for the verse in scripture just now because it, it, the, the one that talks about, I think it's in Psalm 139 that talks about um, God is there with me in my waking and in my sleeping. Is it Psalm 139 that talks about that? I was kind of browsing around for that. But I just thought how good it is because I woke up this morning and I got an earlier start on the day and I got here to church a little bit earlier and everything. And I realized it wasn't even like morning yet. It was still like nighttime. Like it's actually dark at like 6, even 6.30, right? It's getting, the, the days are shifting and it's like getting, staying darker later. And I came this morning. I'm like, wow, I'm tired and I'm here. But God is with me in my waking, you know? He's with me and in, in when I go to sleep. He's, he's with me guarding my dreams, giving me good dreams of him all night long. And then just even in the morning when it's like, oh, it's so hard to get up. I'm like, you know what? God's here with me. It's all good. You know, it doesn't matter how I'm feeling starting the day off right with him. But it was a good morning this morning. Um, I got a good sermon for you this morning. We are talking about being hope in the world, yeah? And that's a theme this year. And I hope you guys are excited about that. Are you guys excited about being hope in the world this year? I hope you're not just like going, yeah, okay, tell us whatever you need to tell us. But I hope you're actually kind of excited that like we as a church are trying to be a people that are taking church to where the people are, not just sitting around and expecting them to come to where we are, right? Because that's not the Great Commission. The Great Commission is that we would go, right? We'd get out of the church and we'd go out there and find people and touch people's lives. How appropriate was it to, and not, not just appropriate, I think it was confirmation from God because we didn't tell John Bevere what to come and teach us. We just said, you do whatever God's placed on your heart. And he's written all these books and he's got all these sermons he travels with and he teaches millions of times around the world. And just the fact that he picked honor and honoring people and that we are rewarded by honoring people. I just thought, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to be that hope in the world. And one of the ways we do it is just simply by showing honor. How many of you guys would say it actually affected the way you lived your life this past week? I hope it did. I hope that honoring thing got into you and not just in your head like, oh, that's, that's nice. We ought to do that. And then we just kind of go about our business. But I got to tell you guys, I've been, everywhere I go, I've been tipping way higher than 20% every single time. Anybody been doing that? What, what a simple little way to honor people, right? It's like going, oh man, extra. But you know what? This is a way to show these people that I value them. Because if you remember at the end of the sermon last week, he said, we don't just honor it just to do nice things but we're investing in people because we value every single person that comes across our path because God values them, because that's a heart, that's a soul that God is trying to reach out. Amen? You guys with me this morning? And so honor, it was perfect a way for us to get into the world, and we've been using our shirts. I heard a story, uh, Pastor Tammy told me a story, someone in her mini church. Um, I think, let me get the story straight. I don't have all the figures, but um, someone, her, someone's dad was riding their bike on base, right? and was having a hard time breathing or something and needed to kind of pull over and like take a break or whatever. And some woman came out of their house, saw, saw the man, came out to give him some help and immediately offered prayer. And of course, the dad noticed they were wearing a Hope Chapel wristband, being hope in the world, prayed for the guy, helped him out, actually gave the dad a ride home to his house. And the daughter came and rode the bike home, right? That's the short version of it. But I just thought, how cool is that? And it was a Hope Chapel member. I don't even know who it was. That's just amazing. But I think there's a way for us to just care about people, to love on people, give someone a ride home, offer prayer immediately when someone's going through something. But we're hearing stories about the shirts and, and just all of this good stuff of us just trying to find the tools to be the hope in the world. And so um, if you didn't get a t-shirt too, we gave them away two weeks ago. But if you weren't here or you missed out or whatever, we are going to give you a t-shirt today too so you can go out in the courtyard fill out the little t-shirt card. We, we want to see this. It's, it's kind of simple. It's just a t-shirt. 
but as a way to think this is a uniform for us to go out there to be the army of God and to shine the light and be hope in the world. Are you guys excited about that kind of stuff? The wristbands, the t-shirts, what else could we possibly do? Hebrews 6.19 in the NIV version says this, we have this hope as an anchor for the soul which is firm and secure. The hope that we have in Jesus, the hope of the world, it's our job to give that away to people. And so we're trying to give you, the church, trying to help you think of ways what are the tools that I have available to me? We'll give you t-shirts, we'll give you wristbands, but what are the other tools that you have? And this month we're talking about mini church. We're focusing on mini church as mini church is one of the ways that we can be hope in the world. Mini church equips us, we believe in mini church, but did you know that you can actually use your mini church as a tool to reach people? That a lot of us have friends, I have friends like this, that they know I'm a pastor, but they would never want to come to church because that seems so holy and religious and they don't feel like they could feel comfortable at a church. But you know what's real easy is a kind of a simple step. Well, would you be willing to come to like my mini church? Oh, what is that? Where do you guys go? What do you do? Oh, it's just at my house. We have snacks. Oh, you have to have snacks? Yeah, it's, it's in my living room. It's just a bunch of my church friends getting together, hanging out and talking. Well, I, I could probably do that, huh? Yeah, there you go. That's using mini church as a tool to be hope in the world. First step before they come into the church, which our church isn't even that big and crazy and holy. It's a tent, right? It's like, it should be pretty easy. But how could we use mini church as a tool or just not just in inviting, but what about those of you that are already in mini church and you say, how could my mini church be a tool in the world? Maybe you could go and just clean up graffiti at the skate park. Maybe you could just go and go down to the the place where the homeless people live in Waimanalo or whatever. I know several mini churches, they just take the mini church as a tool and they go pray with people and they give them some food and whatever. But more, they're just trying to build on the hope of Jesus Christ and get people connected. Is this stuff good? But what are the tools we have at our disposal? Every month this year, we're gonna pick a new theme, a new tool. This month, it's mini church. How could you think and pray? How could my mini church be a tool for hope in the world? But you know what other things we've listed? We listed things like this, um, Money. How could you use money for one month? Just focus on how could I use extra money I have? How could I use money I have to treat someone to, to dinner or to go buy something nice for someone or to, to lend someone money or to just give someone money if they need it? What are ways we could use our money as a tool? We got different things like prayer. What if one month you just ramped up your prayer life and you got bold and you said, whenever I hear a need or see a need, I'm going to pray right then and there for people on the spot. To some of us, that's a natural thing. To some of us, that's really scary and hard. But if we commit to that and go, God, this month, I'm going to try and use prayer. But what about simple things like this? Your car. A lot of us have cars and we drive. How could you use your car as a tool to be hope in the world? You give someone a ride. You run errands for someone. You just, I don't know what we could do, but we're trying to like focus on different things. How could you use social media for one month? Focus on social media. Get a little bolder and out there on Twitter or on Facebook or on whatever. You start counseling people. You start giving people light. You start posting scriptures. You use it in a way that's going to draw people to Jesus Christ. Because remember when we said hope in the world, all it is is introducing someone to Jesus that you don't, may not be responsible for walking them all the way through everything in their life, but you're at least planting seeds. Is this good, guys? This is where we're going this, this year as a church, and I hope you're excited about that. Uh, the Sermon on Honor was so good for me. I've been leaving more tips, uh, higher tips for people. I've been talking to people outside. You guys got to know this about me. I can get up here and prepare a message and give you the word of God to a group of people, but when I'm on my own personally, I'm kind of shy. I'm not as cool as I am when I'm up here. I got to tell you the truth. Um, I, I have a hard time talking to people, right? And so what I've been challenged with with this honor thing is that God's going, 
Try to connect with people. Try to talk to people. The other day, I was in an elevator with just one other woman. And how many of you guys know that elevators, that's, you don't really talk in elevators, right? You guys, we all know this, right? Even if there's like 20 people in there, you're just like, oh, hey. Right? And you're just watching the light go ding, 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 ding. I got to get there. I got to get there. Like, hold your breath. Don't talk. Don't, don't do anything, right? Just get out of this box with all these people. It's an uncomfortable deal. But I actually was in the elevator the other day and just feeling like that honor, honor, honor people, value people, talk to people. And I'm like, oh, man, I'm in an elevator. There's like one other woman. That's like, how you doing? Hi. You know, and it's like, just kind of stand there. And God's kind of going, no, don't make some conversation. Hey, how's your day going? And that's super awkward for me. But the lady responds, and I just got this little conversation going. And what I'm finding with this honor and this hope in the world thing is that sometimes I pray for opportunities to happen, and that's good, and I should pray for opportunities. But God's been kind of telling me, create the opportunities. You're the Christian. You're the one with the light in your life. You're the one that could spark a conversation. You never know what this could lead to. And so I've been praying lately, God, help me to be the light in the world, not just to wait for the opportunity to come. Help me to create the opportunity. Amen? We need to be thinking this. Guys, this, this is our theme this year. We can do something about it. We need to be the, 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 the one that brings the light. At Super Bowl parties today, and what are you going to do with your Super Bowl party today? Are you going to have the same old people? Or is there a chance you might want to invite someone new? Maybe someone that doesn't know Jesus. You invite them into your Super Bowl party where there's people that know Jesus. And there might just be a break at a commercial, at halftime, whatever, where you could say something about God or your church or something. You guys get what I'm going after? And if your non-Christian friends invite you to their party and you know it might be sketchy, but you could be the only light of Jesus Christ at that party, you better go and you better take Jesus with you and you could better see what could happen in Jesus' name. Amen? But what are the ways, because we, we tend to think all in terms of churchiness and, well, I don't go on a mission trip and I don't do that. It's not about that. What do you have available to you right now where you are the light in that dark situation? You just go in there and you just see what God can do. So this is where we're at this year. And um, what we're talking about this this uh, month, actually, it's kind of mini church month. It's kind of the theme where we're going to talk about the importance of mini church. We're going to talk about the importance of, of God in our lives, but why mini church helps us connect to God and to other people in our lives. So we're going to talk a little bit about mini church. What is mini church? How many of you guys in here, just, just to ask a question, no judging or anything, how many of you guys are in a mini church right now? Anybody? Okay, okay. And there's some that are not. Okay, and I'm going to talk about the importance of mini church. And, and I would hope that you would maybe connect in a mini church, but at the same time, I'm not going to make you feel bad if you're not in one because there's, there's reasons maybe your, your life is so hectic or you got some other little Bible study going on or whatever, but I want to just show you a little bit of the value of some of the things we find in mini church. The reason that we have mini church, what is mini church? Well, mini church is nothing more than our, our home group. Uh, it's kind of Bible study, but it goes a little bit beyond Bible study. It's our home group meetings, and probably you guys have been to a lot of churches. You've heard of uh, life groups, connect groups, home groups, uh, ohana groups, or whatever. Whatever you might call them, it's kind of the same thing. What, what happened, the way that we kind of came up with this mini church thing, is that years ago when my dad started this church, my dad started this church almost 42 years ago, and Hope Chapel originally started in Manhattan Beach, California. It grew, it moved to Hermosa Beach. Um, we've started a bunch of churches. We moved over as a family I don't know how many years ago it's been now, 30 years ago. Yeah, this year we're celebrating 30 years of Hope Chapel in Hawaii. But we've had this mini church concept. And when my dad came up with the church, he really was going, God, I want to be biblical. I want to see what did the early church look like? Because I want to start at the original model. 
And as he read the book of Acts over and over and over again, there's all these things that he saw that was consistent in the church and talked about fellowship and breaking of bread and the miracles and the teaching and the worship time and all this. But here's one thing that he saw over and over was that the people, when they gathered, that they met in the temple courts in big meetings, big church services on the weekends. But then it says they also met in homes. They also met in small groups. And one of the things you can't help but realize when you read Acts chapter 2, specifically verses 42 to 47, you see that the church was called to be a community. The church was called to be a family. They were not supposed to go just check in like at school, sit in a class, and then go home and deal with it. But it's supposed to be this place where God's people interact with one another. Amen? They were supposed to be this community thing. And so that, that church doesn't just happen on the weekend services, but we're getting into each other's lives. And what we saw early on is there is a need and that there is a, a function of the church knowing one another in a deeper setting, walking through life together. And what we call mini churches, we describe it as doing life together, walking out our Christianity together, really becoming friends and family members more than just what you guys are doing right now, sitting together in a crowd, checking in for for an hour and a half service and then going home about your normal lives. And so we saw that this mini church thing, even Jesus modeled it, right? He hung out, he was the son of God, but he had his 12. He had the 12 that he was intimate with, he could hang out with. And if you really think about Jesus back in the day, that it wasn't all just religiosity, but he's hanging out with these guys that are just his friends and he's roasting fish over the fire and hanging out and telling stories and they're asking him questions and they're also just admonishing him and building him up and he's interacting in this small group. He went out and he spoke to the crowds, but he had this small group and there's a need for this in our lives and there's some things that we get out of mini church the reason that we, we believe in mini church so much, we believe that it really does some big things. Mini church is, this is what I look at it, is consistent, scheduled, intentional time to build our relationship with God and his family. We've got a video that shows you how good mini church is in people's lives in our church. And I hope that you guys would kind of catch the vision and, and want to be connected if we got this, this uh, video ready. We got the video? Take a look at the life of Miley and her testimony and what she's gotten out of mini church. Take a look at this video real quick. I actually came to Hope Chapel because my cousin Caleb um, went to Hope Chapel and my intentions at first was just, oh, you know, I'm not really close with him. I just want to grow a closer relationship with him and what he does. He was like, well, I go to church. And I was like, well, I don't really go to church, but I guess I can go to church. And I was hooked once I started coming. And I was here for a good few months, maybe like three to four months before I met anyone, before I was plugged into any type of mini church. I was just praying. I was like, okay, well, I want friends. Like, I, don't, I love it here. I just feel the spirit, but I don't talk to anybody. I feel like such a loner. I have no friends. Like, Pastor Tammy actually prayed over me one Sunday and was like, you're gonna find a mini church. The next week, I got plugged in with Tim and Holly. Um, and I started going to their mini church. When I first came to this church, and when I first came to um, Tim and Holly's mini church, I was super broken, very broken. And I didn't, um, I was just living my life every day, then thinking that life is fine, there's nothing more to life than this. Um, but, but I found God and He just, overwhelmed me and just poured out all of his love to me. I was like, there's so much more to life. There's so much more reason to live. Because I was really, um, I was in my darkest place at my end. And that first week, that first week of the new church, um, I told myself, I said, this is it. This is my last.
chance. This is the last thing that I'm gonna try because I was suicidal and I was um, have attempted suicide and I was like, I'm gonna do this. I'm just gonna take my life. And uh, it was just amazing just walking out of there um, from mini church that first week. And I didn't even know what it was. I didn't know what I was doing. The second week, <laughs> I went, God was like, you tell them your story. You tell them where you're at. You tell them how broken you are. And I was like, I don't know these people. I can't, <laughs> I can't just tell them, like, I want to take my life. I don't want to be alive. Like, I'm crying my eyes out. Like, they're all so fun, loving, and happy. Like, I'm not, I'm not. And we fought, and I sat there, and I fought the whole mini church, me and God, in my mind. And he was like, you have to tell them. And right before um, it closed, then I had to share my story with them. And it was, it was definitely a moment. And I think that's when the rest of them were really embraced to me. They're so amazing. Their, su their support behind me is just speechless. Like, I just cannot say in words how grateful I am with all of the support that each and every one of them have given me throughout the whole time that I've known them. You may think just coming to church every Sunday um, is enough and that you're still getting fed. And, you know, I'm still getting fed. I feel great. This is enough. But you're never going to know unless you go. And God has so much more for you. So you really just have to step out in faith. And it's super nerve-wracking. Trust me. I know. But you, you should definitely really just step out in faith and just try and just go. Because once you go and once you're there, you will see that how God has blessed you, it's beyond what your mind can even imagine. That's good. That's really good. Another life change. And, and what I want to talk about today is, is how your life can change and how many church can be a part of it. But I, I don't want to be just sounding like I'm, like I'm pushing mini church as the cure-all. What we're talking about today is putting God first above all else in your life. Mini church is a tool, okay? We're not saying Hope Chapel came up with the ultimate tool. What we found is that mini church is a way that is the best tool in our church for building true followers of Jesus Christ. It's like you come to church on the weekend, you hear the message, you get inspired, but having that other little meeting to actually get in the lives of other people and to get God back into your life to recharge you halfway through the week, that to us is what has built our church. It helps us launch pastors in all of the churches that we plant. We basically say that through mini church, if you can get a guy that can raise up a mini church, disciple people, love on people, raise up another leader so he could reproduce it, and you do that about three times, you basically have what it takes to become a pastor, just in a basic nutshell, because you know how to seek the things of the Lord, you know how to lead a group of people, you know how to raise up leaders and to reproduce. You've got kind of what it takes to shepherd the flock of people. So mini church has become this amazing discipleship tool, but here's one of the things that mini church does that is a bigger need in our lives than just being this small group, and this is what we're talking about today, Matthew 6.33. If you guys have your notes, Matthew 6.33 says that we're to seek the kingdom of God above all else and to live righteously and he will give you everything we need everything you need see mini church is one of the things that helps us live a god-centered god-focused life it brings back into reality the focus of god being number 1 in our lives psalm 37 if you're ever looking for a psalm that would talk about a direct correlation between giving your life to God and the goodness and the results that follow. Psalm 37 is your book right there. It just talks about the importance of a, of a life with God. And here's, I'm gonna read some verses from Psalm 37, starting in verses three and six. It says, trust in the Lord and do good. 
Then you will live safely in the land and prosper. And if you're needing this from God today, if you're saying, God, should I put my trust in you? Should I hold on to you? What, what am I going to get out of it? This is what it says. You're, you'll live safely in the land and you'll prosper. Take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust him and he will help you. He will make your innocence radiate like the dawn and the justice of your cause will shine like the noonday sun. You know what that's saying? God will protect your character and integrity if you put your hope in him. It goes on to promise peace and prosperity, blessing, protection, guidance, all of this. But you drop down to verse 34. It says this, if you put your hope in the Lord and travel steadily along his path, he will honor you, there's that word honor, by giving you the land. Verse 37, it says, look at those who are honest and good, for a wonderful future awaits those who love peace. That God has your future in mind if you would put him first. Verses 39 and 40 says, the Lord rescues the godly. He's their fortress in times of trouble. The Lord helps them, rescuing them from the wicked. He saves them, then they find shelter in him. This whole idea of us putting God first in all of everything that we do in life and that he says he will give us everything we need. Yeah, mini church backs it up, but this is a basic need that we need to understand is that you put God first, here's a basic promise, he will take care of you. And I like that it says this in these, these last verses. It says, the Lord rescues the godly in times of trouble. He helps them, he rescues them, uh, they find shelter in him, he saves them. You know what I need to know about this when I read this is that there's still gonna be times in my life when I need saving. There's still gonna be times in my Christian walk when I need to be rescued. There's still going to be these times when I need to run to shelter. That says God knows that you're going to be in peril sometimes and you're going to be suffering sometimes. But if you have a relationship with him, he's there to save you. He's there to rescue you. He's there to come through and to support you when you're hurting. Amen? And this is the thing about Psalm 37 that's talking about is I've, I've got people in my life that I can run to that I know when I'm hurting. There was a time in college when I was going through some stuff. I can't remember it was either probably both, financial difficulties, relationship difficulties. And I was in college and, and I was in California and I remember calling my dad. Dad, I'm going through some stuff. I need some help here. I needed to turn to him for some advice, right? And I call him and I start describing my situation. And you know what he does on the phone? Like I was like, oh, I'm waiting for some good advice. He just says, ha, 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 ha. He starts laughing at me. I'm like, why are you laughing? I'm hurting here. And he goes, I'm laughing because I went through that same stuff and this is so good for you. Keep holding on to God. This is building your character. I'm like, that's not funny. Like, <laughs> you're laughing at me for. And he, and he goes, he goes, no, this is so good. He goes, I'm only laughing because I'm relating. And he goes, you know what? This is good for you. This is good for your character. God's going to come through. And you know what? I got your back. And I got you. And I'm going to support you. And you're not going to hit rock bottom. You're not going to crash and burn over this. I'm here to support you. But this is good for you, son. I'm glad you're going through this stuff. So in a way, I'm kind of like, uh, thanks, I guess. Like, what? You know? But at the same time, I knew as I got through it that my dad was absolutely right. He was giving me good advice. And you know what? He was there to not let me fall, that I could run to him in times of shelter. So I, I praise God for that relationship I had with my dad. And if I didn't have that kind of relationship with my dad, I wouldn't have had him to call. And I probably would have been hurting and maybe crashed. And then there's like other people I look at my wife that are just life that are supporters. My wife, for one, 
right? My wife is the one that I can go through all kinds of stuff and go through hard times, and she's always there to just push me back to God, to build me back up, to tell, to tell me, I love you, I got you, you can do this, I believe in you. The best, some of the best words people could ever speak in my life, I believe in you. You got this thing. And she builds me back up. And she says, and you know what? Don't worry about anybody that's coming against you because I'll lick them. My wife is like nuts like that, right? She's, she's passionate about me and about God, right? And she doesn't stand, she doesn't stand that, sit still for anybody. You know, you're coming against my husband? You're coming against God? Oh, okay, come, come through me first, right? My wife will scrap. And I love that about her. But she's got my back and she builds me up. And, and you know, I love the people in my life that are like that. It's just like this promise that God has made me is, don't worry, I got you. I got you covered. But I only have that because I have a relationship with my wife. You guys see where I'm going with this? Is that I've got someone else and sitting right here in the front row, Pastor Tom, my boy Tom Tom, right? We've grown up together from junior high, and he, he, he's one of my main supporters. And this, this past year has been kind of a rough year. I've been going through some stuff just in my own personal view of me and things like that. And Tom always comes along right when I need him. And I don't know if, know if you guys remember the sermon that he preached a few weeks back about how he is the, the Samwise Gamgee to Frodo. You guys remember Lord of the Rings, anybody? You guess the Lord of the Rings? Lord of the Rings, story about these little uh, hairy-footed hobbits, right? You guys know that story. And um, Samwise Gamgee is the hobbit that is the loyal, faithful, supporting friend to Frodo, the main guy in the movie that's got this, this ring that he has to go on this mission to Mount Doom, and he has to destroy this ring of all this power and corruption and stuff, and he's got to be careful because it can corrupt people and stuff. And so Frodo has like the burden of carrying this thing, and it wears on him spiritually and everything. He's like, oh, I got to take this thing. And there's Sam. Samwise Gamgee, and it was really cool that when Tom preached that message that the Lord actually calls him Sam. Do you guys remember that? How he went to that lady that was prophetic and she started prophesying over him and saying, now Sam, God says this about you, Sam. And, and we're all going, what the heck, why are you, your name's Tom. And he goes, no, God calls me Sam. And we're like, whoa. But <laughs> the heart of that message was basically that Tom knows his role is to be the Samwise Gamgee to, I guess I'm the Frodo, right? <laughs> And that's really how I view our relationship in so many ways, is that there's so many times that when I've been weak and I'm going through stuff that I can rely on, Sam, I mean, on Tom here, right? He comes to me and he backs me up and he's, he's my strength and my support and all this. And I hope this isn't sounding too much like bromance or whatever, but I'm thankful to God for Tom in my life and, and my dad and my, and my wife and all this. And there's this killer quote in the movie, The Lord of the Rings, one of the movies I remember, but it just talks about um, Sam to Frodo as a supporter. And he knows that Frodo has a burden of carrying this ring and all of this stuff. And Sam comes and he says this. He goes, oh, Mr. Frodo, I know I can't carry that for you, but I can carry you. And he grabs Frodo, right? And he like takes him and he helps carry him and walk him. And I just think, man, I'm, I'm so thankful for, for Tom. I'm so thankful for my wife, my dad, my friends around me that support me. But here's the thing that we got to understand first and foremost above all this Psalm 37 stuff is that God is the one that gave me those people because God ultimately is the one that has my back and is supporting me. Amen? You guys see that? That he's the one supporting me and he uses people. And the other thing is that Jesus doesn't just make that quote to us, I can't carry that sin for you, I can carry you. It goes beyond that. He goes, actually on the cross, I did carry that stuff for you. 
and you don't have to carry it anymore. And as you're hurting and you feel the burden in life now, I can carry you. And I love that about God. And the sermon today is simply about us putting God first because he wants to carry us in life. He wants to be our shelter. He wants to save us. He wants to rescue us. And we're just talking about how mini church helps feed into that. There's three things about this thing that about what we're talking about here, seeking the kingdom of God above else, putting God first in your life. I believe there's three ways that you can do that. There's probably a lot more, but I, I brought down three of the main ones. Take a look at your notes. I think they're all in there. They're all words that start with A, because I'm so clever like that, right? You can see those things? There's three words I got for you right there. Appreciate, absorb, and ask. And these are three things that I think are really strong in my life, needs that help me. If I can, can be someone that appreciates God, that absorbs godly principles, that is always asking for him, that builds in my life of putting God first. And, and mini church helps us do that. The, the, the first one, appreciate. It's basically this. And we do it in mini church, but you do it in your daily life. I hope that you do. It's making time to appreciate God. And what I mean by appreciate is the Bible uses words like this. Worship, adore, honor that John Bevere used last week, value, esteem, praise, and thank him. That to put God first in your life, you better make sure that you are making time to appreciate God. This is what I mean by appreciate. Today in a few hours, we're all going to go sit in front of our TVs and we are going to be cheering and yelling and encouraging and just cheering on our teams, right? Well, God is saying, do a little bit of that for me because I do that for you every single day. Take some time to remember to cheer me on, to champion, champion me, to remember that I'm the one that provides so much for you, that provided eternal life. Make sure that any healthy relationship, you're taking time to value that other person. Amen? And so part of us putting God first is this. John 4, 23 and 24 says, the time is coming, indeed it is here now, when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and in truth. The Father is looking for those who will worship him that way. For God is spirit, so those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. In other words, God is saying, you know how much I love you. You know what I do in your life every day. How much do you really love me? And we're not talking about lip service. I want to know that you're worshiping me, you're valuing, you're appreciating, you're esteeming me in the depth of your spirit and in all truth. That you are saying, God, you're first in my life and I realize it all comes from you. And I just need to make sure I take the time because you know what? Some of us, we forget to do it on a daily basis. We are supposed to have our time with God, our devotions, our, our time to pray, our time to appreciate him, our time to read the Bible. And life gets busy, guys. And we kind of forget sometimes. And we need to be reminded, make time to put back in that relationship and esteem and glorify this God that does so much in your lives. Is this good? And the thing I love about mini church is it's every week, same time, and it forces you in your routine to break routine and come together and worship God. Matthew 15, verses 8 and 9 says, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. Their worship is a farce, for they teach man-made ideas as commands from God. It's good to schedule in time to actually, from the heart, not just the lips, give God the worship that he deserves, that we would actually be, from the heart, appreciating him. My wife and I, for years, used to be famous for our date nights. We've gotten away from them because we had more kids, and then we've got more ministry stuff, and our lives got busy. But we can tell in our relationship what happens when we have the lack of scheduled time to esteem one another. That our lives for a few years were li literally, we were known for it. Like when we were youth pastors and everything, every Thursday night, Carl and Kanani are going on date night. And that was just our time to block out everybody else and to value one another. 
And I'd get people calling all the time. Hey, Carl, you're, oh, sorry, it's Thursday date night. Oh, yeah, sorry, forgot. And they'd hang up, right? Because everybody around us knew that was our date night. That was our special time. And the thing about the date night is it was the time for just the two of us to get together. We'd dress up nice for each other, you know, try to look good. And we'd go somewhere. And, you know, we'd, we'd go to dinner. And we'd, we'd, what's your favorite place? And we'd just talk story. And we'd just build each other up. I love you. And this relationship is good. But it was our scheduled time to remember this is a relationship here. We better be connected. And the thing about mini church or daily devotions or whatever is, as a Christian, you better make sure that you're scheduling that time to say, God, I need to be reminded that you are, you are the reason for my life. You are the reason that I love you. You're the reason for everything is I need to appreciate you. And mini church, when you come together in mini church, they force it to happen, right? Because they go like this. Hey, what's a praise report? What's God done for you in your life? And it makes you think. And sometimes it's hard. And I, I feel bad about going, why is it so hard for me to think? That's an indicator of where my life is at with God. I haven't been thanking him enough. I haven't been focusing on the good stuff. And mini church kind of forces you to be on the spot and go, he is a good God. He did this this week in my life. He did this. And it reminds you, see, it's a two-way relationship. And so you share the praise reports or you come into worship. But we need to remember, this is a value in our lives is, I better be cheering on the God that has given his son's life for me and that, that blesses me every single day. Amen? So the first part of it, I think, is appreciate. We need to really appreciate and adore and honor God. A second thing about building this kingdom purpose in our lives is the word absorb. And what I mean by that is we need to absorb the things that God is trying to teach us. Absorb kingdom principles. Don't just read it in your Bible and go, good, I did my reading for the day. But you've got to let it get into you. And when you sit in, in this sermon, even right now in here, some of you guys are going, this is good. I agree with this kind of stuff. And they go on your way. I can't wait to get the Super Bowl. Oh, it's going to be a good day. And we forget. And Monday rolls around. We have no idea what we just heard and what we learned about on Sunday. I know I'm like that too. It's hard. But we need to make a priority in our lives if we're seeking the kingdom of God above all else that it's supposed to give us a good life. We better absorb the stuff that we're learning when we open our word or when we hear a sermon. And what I mean by this is, remember last week John Bevere said at the end of his sermon on honor, and we're all like, that's so good, that's awesome. He goes, the temptation you're going to have is you go out there and you practice it for about a week and then you forget all about it. He says, what you need to do is you need to get the word of God and God's truth into you deeply. You need to let it get into you so much that it begins to change the way that you live. It begins to make life change and habits actually change because you're taking it into you. You know, we do mini church with the staff every week. We call it staff discipleship or whatever, but it's basically mini church. We come together every, every Wednesday morning and we, we have worship, we pray, we talk about either a book we're going through, but sometimes we just talk about the word of God and where, what's going on in our lives. But you know what's so cool sometimes is when I sit back and I watch the staff get so fired up on God and his truth where they actually almost start arguing. Like it gets kind of heated, like not because they're mad at each other, but because someone just, well, the word of God says over here, right? And someone else just can't wait to jump in and start talking over the other, you know, and they start going at it. And I sit back sometimes and I'm just like, oh, we're, we're digging in right now. This is good. People are literally wrestling with this stuff. And that's how it should be in our lives is we don't just read the word and I go, oh, my five minutes are up. I read like one Psalm and I'm happy. And we go away. God is saying, if you want the fullness of life in him, you better make sure you're absorbing the truth of his word because he's good, isn't he? Isn't Jesus good? And isn't his truth better than your truth? And isn't his decisions for your life better than yours? But if you believe that, you're going to take the time to actually absorb that. Colossians 2, verses 6 and 7, 
I love this. I'm sorry we used it a couple weeks ago, but this is such a good verse. It says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. Christ alone, cornerstone. Then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught and you will overflow with thankfulness. That we gotta really let his word get in. We need to absorb the stuff that God is saying if we wanna put kingdom first above all else. Look at Luke 18, uh, chapter eight, verse 18. I think this is an important one. Here's Jesus talking and he says this. This is really key. So pay attention to how you hear. Pay attention, think about that. Pay attention to how you hear. Are you sitting here this morning going, yeah, I'm hearing everything he's saying, but I can't wait for my Ravens to beat those, those Niners today, right? And your mind is somewhere else. Or when you read the word of God every day, are you really going, am I just looking at this and hearing it, or am I actually listening? Here's what Jesus said. Pay attention to how you hear. To those who listen to my teaching, more understanding will be given. But for those who are not listening, even what they think they understand will be taken away from them. You guys know there's a difference between hearing and listening? There's an absolute, I, I know this in my own household, right? I tell my, my kids every day, and I know that they hear me, hey, clean your room. Hey, no more candy. Hey, stop kicking the dog, right? And I tell them, and I know they hear it because I say it loud, right? But then five minutes later, when the room is still a mess, their mouths are full of candy, and the dog's getting booted around the house, I know they didn't really listen to me. You guys see the difference? There's definitely hearing, and then there is for sure listening. And Jesus is going, pay attention to how, you, how you're hearing. Because those that listen, you're going to get more understanding and you're going to walk in the things of God. But if you're just hearing it and letting it walk away, then you didn't receive any of it at all in the, in the first place. This is what's cool about mini church. Mini church, you're not just hearing and sitting and hearing. As you get to take it home and you take the sermon notes that you're taking right now and you meet with your friends and you get into it. You get down and dirty and you say, you know what Pastor Carl talked about? You know what John Bevere talked about? Here's how I put it into my life. Here's how I think it'll work in my life. Well, I disagree with you. I think this. And you really get to mull it over. You get to wrestle with it, right? You get to talk about it and you get to say, here's how I'm gonna go apply it to my life this week. I love that in mini church, we take time to absorb the message, that I get to give feedback and I get to almost argue with my friends because we're just, we're working it into the, the, the grain of our life. It's changing our life. That's how you know you've absorbed it is when your life changes. This is how I know that, that people got the message of honor last week is I went out to, to dinner at a restaurant with my family. I took my family out to dinner this past week. And we all sat down and we saw that one of the bus boys is one of our brothers here in the church, right? And I was like, hey, how's it going? And he's all, all fired up and he's smiling. I'm like, wow, that, he's shining the light of Christ, man. He's doing his stuff, bussing tables, and he's got a smile on his face. And I was like, I was proud of him. I was like, yeah, I didn't know he worked here, but oh, that's good to see. So we sit down and my family orders, we have our meal and everything. And at the end, we go and we, we pay and we had gift cards and stuff, so we gave that to the, the waiter. And the waiter uh, comes back after a few minutes. I'm like, oh, what happened? How, how come he's back? And he goes, oh, here, here's your gift cards back. Um, my, your friend, my friend, the busboy over here, uh, he picked up your tab. He covered your meal. And I was like, what? No way. There's like five of us, and I made a pig of myself. I, I ordered a lot of stuff, and that's a big bill, and he's just bussing tables over there, and he's a young guy. He needs that money for school, and he needs that money. And you know what? He's like, no, 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 no. He got it. He covered you. He wanted to bless you guys. And I was just like, whoa, so amazed. And we went over to him afterwards and just thanking him. Hey, thank you for covering. You didn't have to do that. And he goes, no, 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 I'm sorry. I hope, hope it didn't cause extra time and all this. And he was just, he just blessed us, and we received the blessing. 
Then I went back home and I messaged him on Facebook, thank you for blessing my family. Thank you for all that you did. And he goes, no, you know what? You bless my family. You bless so many people in my church. Your family is a blessing. That's the least I can do. Accept that blessing. Accept the honor. Basically, he said in so many words. And you know what I said? That guy got last week's message. He absorbed it. He didn't just go, oh, that's a really good teaching. He went out of his way to pay the bill for five people. That guy got it. He worked it into life change. You guys get what I'm saying here? Yes, we got to appreciate God. We got to cheer on the one that created everything. But you better make sure that you're taking time to absorb because what he does to to teach you and, and get into you, he wants it to become life change so it can be a blessing to other people. Is that good? So we need to learn to absorb. Just like the girl Miley in the video, she said, I was listening to God. I heard him. I heard him telling me, open up and share with these people. And she goes, no, I don't want to do it. And she wrestled with him. Do you hear what she said the whole time? Me and God were fighting. In my mind, we were fighting. And finally, she let the truth of God absorb into her life. And she opened up to these other people. And she said, what? It saved her life. It changed her life. Because she let what God was trying to teach her get into her to the point where she would actually act on it. We need to absorb the word of God. And the third thing we need to do is we need to ask. We need to be people that would ask from God, ask for our needs, ask for healing, ask for strength, ask for encouragement, support, power, the gifts, all the the spiritual recharge that we need. God, I need another dose of you. I need some help here. We need to be a people that would ask. Why? Because that shows our dependency on God. That shows that we're putting God above all else when we're saying, I'm not looking to this person or this person or to this bottle or to this technology or to this book or anything. I'm not looking to anything else to answer my problems. I'm looking to God, the King of Kings. He is the Lord of my life. I'm seeking him first. And so when we become a people that ask, we're basically telling him that. Matthew 7, 7 says, keep asking, keep on asking, and you'll receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking, the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, to everyone who knocks the door will be open. You parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Can you imagine that? What a lame parent that you would do that, right? I always think about this. I'm like, oh, that would be just the worst dad in the world. Like, I've actually like, thought about this, though. I don't know if any of you guys have. But when my kids act up and they're naughty and it's around Christmas time, and I actually always threaten them like, oh, you're going to get coal in your stocking if you keep on doing that, right? And I threaten them and then I, I, I carry it a little step further. And I think this is where my mind warps a little bit more than yours. But I actually think, oh, what if I just literally wrapped up rocks for my kids? <laughs> what if I just like gave them a box of dirt? That would be so funny. And I just think like, oh, I want to do that this Christmas. I want the video camera out. This would be so good for YouTube. Like, I just like, yeah, kids, go get them. Unwrap the gifts, right? And I'm just secretly filming them, right? And they're just like, Oh, what? You know, just like rocks and dirt. <laughs> you know, I know I'm, I'm kind of rude like that, but I just think that would be super funny, right, to post that on YouTube. And these kids actually got like real coal, you know, like that would be so funny. But I'm not that uncool of a dad, hopefully. But when I read this verse, I think about that. I always get the visual in my mind like, that's so funny, but that's actually so mean, right? Dad, we, we're hungry. Give us bread. No, here, suck on rocks, right? You give them a stone instead. But it says, or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Can you imagine? Like, Dad, I want fish and chips. No, take this poison snake. Ah! You know? Ah! But I just think of, I mean, you got to think of like the, the pictures of this, right? So you really get the thing. But then he says this, of course not. No parent's going to be that lame. So if you sinful pe- people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? That God is going like this. I am the giver of good gifts. I want to give you an amazing relationship. I want to give you such a job that you thank God, you thank me for it every single day. 
I want to give you such a life of, of fun and, and you got to do your hard work, but I'm going to balance it with love and happiness and friendships. I got all of these gifts to give you, but I want to hear you ask, how bad do you want it? How much do you want me? Because I'm not going to give you the snake or the, the coal or the dirt in your you know, stocking or whatever. I'm, a, I'm the father of all good gifts and I can't wait to bless you, but I want to know how much you love me. How much are you going to ask for? I think part of us putting God first is the fact that we are persistent askers. Some people say like, no, you know, if you pray it once, you prayed it in faith that God will do it and you can just believe that it's going to happen. Well, then how come so many times in scripture it says pray without ceasing and it says ask and keep on asking. In so many places it tells us to, to always, in all circumstances, continue to pray for all people in all circumstances at all times. God is all about us asking him because it keeps us dependent on him. Here's three things that I think about asking and you can write these things down. I think that asking in us builds trust. And here's the three areas that it builds trust in. Number one, it builds trust that God loves me and wants to bless me. This is a big one for some of us, that you continuing to ask God shows that you actually trust that he actually loves you and he wants to do things in your life. Some of us, we live our lives as Christians thinking that God's mad at us, thinking that we need to ask for salvation every single day because if we died right now that we wouldn't make it into heaven. Some of us think, I'll pray for everybody else, but I don't really want to pray for myself because I'm, I'm a bad person. And God, yeah, you don't owe me anything. It's cool, God. We need to get over the hump. We need to realize first and foremost that God loves you. God loves us. God sees everything about us. He sees our flaws. He sees the stuff that you would say, I'm a bad person. And God goes, you know what? I still love you. You ask me because that will strengthen you to realizing that I do love you. And when you ask and I give you gifts, it's going to prove how much I actually love you. You need to get over yourself. You need to get over the fear. Get over the lies of the enemy that say you're not good enough. You don't deserve anything from God. Some of us, this is the message you came here this morning to hear. God absolutely loves you. He went to the cross, and if you were the only sinner here on earth, Jesus would have came down and did what he did for you. He loves you beyond measure, and it builds this trust in us when we ask that says, God, you do love me. You do got my best interest in mind. You do want to bless me with good things. Here's a second area of trust that asking builds. It's a trust that says, my God can do anything. And when you ask, you are saying, God, I'm asking because you're the only one that can pull this off in my life. You know the book Sun Stands Still and we've been talking about the audacious prayers? You know what that tells God? That tells God that you believe that he's a God of the impossible, that you're giving him room in your life for him to be God. Because if it's all like, if it's all little things or you think you can handle it on your own, then you don't really trust God. But the Sun Stands Still audacious prayers are the ones that I've been hearing of like, you know what, I prayed that, that audacious prayer three months ago about this relationship to be healed. I never thought it was gonna be healed, but I asked God anyway because I trust him. And God came through and I have this relationship. The friend of mine that was praying for three years for the job, he got the perfect job with all the, the perfect time schedule, the perfect uh, amount of pay, the perfect location, the perfect kind of people he, he works with, the greatest boss. And I'm going, you, you're asking too much of God. My faith was weak. And he said, no, I'm holding out because I trust my God. And God gave him everything. I'm just like, wow, blown away. I'm blown away by the people. I know Trevor. Trevor Fergie, our very own worship leader, pastor, he was up here, and he recently prayed the Sun Sand Still prayer. God, me and my wife and our little boy, we would love to own a house, and we would love to, to own it sooner than, than could be. Well, right now, he's in escrow. He's signing papers. He's on his way. Hopefully, in a few days, Trevor is going to be the owner of a single-family home. Isn't that so cool? And in Kanyoi with his, with his family. And guess what? 
It's right next to his parents' house, which he wants. That's a good thing, by the way. Some of us are like, no, that's a bad thing. But for him, he's like, that's so awesome. I'm with my family, and my mom cooks Unreal, and we're going over there every night for dinner. But, but you know what? When we ask God, it says that we have trust in him that he can pull off the impossible. My son comes and asks me sometimes for the impossible stuff. He goes, oh, Dad, I, I need a Halloween costume, and I want to do it like this, and I need it by when? Oh, tonight. What? Tonight? And he'll ask me, what do you need? Well, I need like two eight-foot pieces of foam, and I need all this spray paint and glue. And I'm like, wait, if we try to make this, it's not even going to dry in time. What are you, you crazy, right? And he comes and he asks me for the impossible. He tells me, Dad, I got to make this, this project at school, and I need you to, to help me make this actual snare that could snare um, small animals, and I could, like, catch them. And I'm like, how are we going to do that? Yeah, it's doing, like, two days. What? You know, and so he asked me for the impossible. But here's the thing. Once in a while, we actually pull it off. Once in a while, we actually, I pulled off this little snare we made. We filmed it. We had to put it on YouTube, the whole deal. He filmed it. He took it in. I'm like, oh, my gosh, we did this thing in, like, two days, and we're so stoked. And I'm like, yeah, we did it. He goes to class, and the teacher's like, oh, that's cool, but you didn't need to do all that. I just told you to, like, draw a picture of it. Like, you're the, you're the only ones in class that actually built the real working model, right? And I'm stressing, pulling out my hair, and we did all this. But then the pride that we feel afterwards, like, oh, we pulled off the impossible. We were the only ones in the we didn't have to, but we did it, right? Because you misunderstood the teacher, son. Way to go. <laughs> but we pulled it off. And you know how cool I feel afterwards as a dad that pulled off the impossible, right? And the other thing is, I'm just stoked that my son would have the audacity to think, dad's so good, he can pull off the impossible. How does God feel when we ask him those impossible prayers? How good does our God feel when we keep on asking for the impossible? And he goes, that's so amazing because I'm the only one that can pull that stuff off. And I'm going to do it just for the sake that you have enough guts to ask me to pull that thing off. Isn't that cool about our God? And so as we become persistent askers, one of the things that shows us is that we trust that God can do anything. The third area of trust, I believe, is that we trust that his answers and his timing are best is that we can come to that place where we keep on asking. What it builds in us is this trust to say, God may not answer that, that request the way that I wanted it to, but when I realize what God did, I realize, wow, he did it so much better. Man, he did such a better job. I've been praying for this to work out or that to work out, and oh, God, you didn't do it that way. Oh, you did it this way. Oh, that is good. Wow, God. And as we continue to trust and ask that we, we give God room to be God and to do things the way that he does it, which is better. The other thing about the, the answering he answers best, he, answered in, he answers it in his perfect timing, which is one of the things that is so key in all of our lives. How many times you read in scripture about the people that had to wait, like Moses, 40 years for something to be fulfilled, or Joseph, all of these years, or Noah building the ark and all. Oh, he waited that long until God came through? Yeah, he did. You know Why? Because in our lives when we wait, we don't understand that in the waiting, God is working. And you got to believe that. you got to believe that there's people that come to me all the time and they're going, I was praying for a wife for five years and I didn't know why God didn't bring me the girl of my dreams and didn't do all of this stuff. And now that I'm in this relationship, I see that five years ago I was nowhere mature enough to handle the kind of godly relationship that God wanted me to have. And what he built in me in the waiting and in the praying was this maturity, was integrity, was character, was me to be a better man so that when this girl now came along that I'm engaged to and I'm going to call my wife, I'm ready and I know I'm so glad that God's timing is perfect. Isn't that good? And whatever you're waiting and you're praying into right now, keep praying, keep waiting, because God is working in the waiting. And there's a reason that we keep on asking. Is it, well, is it okay to pray for ourselves? 
because that might be a question that we ask, like, oh, he said to ask. Well, look at this verse in 1 Chronicles 4, verses 9 through 10. This, I love this little story. It's only two verses in the Bible. You ever read 1 Chronicles, the beginning few chapters of it? It's some of the most boring parts of the Bible that you will ever read. And I say that in good faith because what it is, it's the ancestry of all of the people of the nation of Israel. So literally, you're reading chapters full of just names. Anybody ever read that kind of stuff before? You're like, whoa, I'm not getting spiritually edified at all. Like, this is just name after name. And from the tribe of Reuben, name after name. And you're just like, what? This isn't doing anything. But you know what's good about that and why that's in the Bible? Is historically, through other outside commentators, you can look up these names, and it proves that these were real people that this actually happened. It proves the authenticity of the Bible, which is really good. But it goes through name, 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 and then it stops on this one guy. And I believe that God zeroes in and highlights this guy and what he's known for on purpose. Look at First Chronicles 4, 9 through 10. It says, name, 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 name. Then it says this. There was a man named Jabez who was more honorable. Interesting, right? Because we talked about honor and what honor gets you, the rewards. Jabez, who was more honorable than any of his brothers. His mother named him Jabez because his birth had been so painful. His name, Jabez, actually means distress or pain, or the mom was basically going, I was in suffering when I gave birth to this kid. You know, she's just like, oh, get him out of me. Oh, you're Jabez. You're painful, right? So the poor guy's named pain, right? He's named distress. Distress, but it says this. He, she named him Jabez because he'd been so painful. It says, he was the one, and this is where the Bible draws attention, that prayed to the God of Israel, oh, that you would bless me and expand my territory. Please be with me in all that I do and keep me from all trouble and pain. And the next line is amazing. It says, and God granted him his request. I think the scripture is specifically making note of this and highlighting this, that here's a guy that asked for prayer for himself his own blessing, for his territory to be expanded, for him to be protected, for God to be with him. And it says, God liked that prayer. God granted his request. I think it highlights that in all these lists of names to tell us God wants to hear us pray for ourselves. It's okay. Should you pray for everybody else? Yes, pray for authorities, pray for your friends, pray for the needs of the world. But God says, you're my kid, and I want you to know that I'm a good dad, and I love you as well. And when I answer your prayers, then you're able to give more testimony to other people about how good of a God I am. Amen? That he actually singles out Jabez. It says this in Psalm 50, verse 15. He says, then call on me when you are in trouble, personally, and I will rescue you. And here's the reason why. You will give me glory. See, when we pray for ourselves, it ultimately gives glory to God, which will draw other people to having this relationship with God. So is it okay to pray for yourself? Absolutely, because when God comes through for you, you get to testify. You get to be hope in the world and say, I know this to be true about my God. That if you say yes to him, he's gonna do the kind of stuff that he's done in my own life. My own life speaks of testimony of God answering prayers. And so this is the God that you can believe in. Does that, is that good? We're allowed to pray for ourselves. God encourages us to pray for ourselves because ultimately it gives glory to him. Mini church and all of this is a way that, that teaches us to appreciate God, schedule time during the week, schedule time to absorb and to, to wrestle over it, schedule time to ask God, because I think during the week, a lot of times, we're so busy, we forget to ask for things for ourselves. We come to mini church and they say, hey, what prayer requests do you have? What are your needs? And people lift them up with you and they encourage you to go to God. But I believe the appreciating, the absorbing, the asking also is into this relationship that says, God, I'm seeking you first and foremost above everything else in my life. Is that a good word this morning? Let's remember to do that on the Super Bowl Sunday. Let's bow our heads and pray.
God, we love you and we thank you that you are number one in our lives. And Lord, if we've been struggling with putting you first, I pray that we would get back into that habit. Lord, that we'd build those safeguards into our life where we're constantly going to you just to, to honor you, to appreciate you, to value you. Father God, that we would be a people that would absorb the truth that comes out of your word, that comes out of sermons that we hear, that comes out of people speaking into our lives, Lord, that we wouldn't just hear it and agree with it, but we'd listen and we'd take it in, and Lord, we'd be given more understanding and more blessing in life. And that, Lord, we would be a people that would persistently be asking and keep on asking. Lord, it builds so much trust in who you are, and it establishes our relationship with you. It allows you to come through in ways that we never would have thought possible if we hadn't put our trust in you, Father God. I pray that we as a people would continue to, to, Lord, just to value mini church, to value small groups, to value the relationships you've given us where we can come and we can really get closer to you. Lord, I pray that we would continue to be hope in this world. Lord, today and as we walk out there, we'd remember to honor people. We'd remember to value people. We'd remember to bless people as a way of introducing them to you. Lord, that we'd be outspoken about our faith. We'd be quick to pray. We'd be quick to invite people into our lives and into church. Lord, I pray that you would do new and exciting things through us this year. Lord, give us the boldness that we need to come out of ourselves and to start up conversations, to give compliments, and to just to, to shine your light in this dark world.